Greetings and welcome to episode 3 of Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast. I have just finished editing this podcast episode that took me several days to make and uh, there's a bunch of layers to it and I'm very proud of it and uh, I'm going to tell you about that in a minute. But um, it's not this one. This one I'm just kind of throwing together. Um, There's an interview coming up. Uh, You might have already noticed the title and description of this episode. Uh, The interview or the phone call conversation is, of course, with Enoch the Aquarian. And uh, he called me up and, uh, well, I'll I'll let that come up when it comes up. But first, a little something fun and maybe a little gimmicky. Um, something I call the Rainbow Banana Band Sphere Method. Let's say hypothetically, not that this would ever happen, but let's say hypothetically there's overcast. So, okay, so you know what time it is. But let's say your GPS isn't working, and so your star map on your phone isn't working, or let's say maybe your phone's out of batteries, but you see one of those old-timey analog clocks that tells you what time it is. Keep that in mind. You know the one with the 12 directions and the couple of hands, maybe three sometimes, hands pointing. One points up at the 12 sometimes. You know the one? Well, anyhow, let's say it's on the southern wall, just for the sake of the rainbow banana man sphere method. Okay, so you're facing south. Okay, do south. And let's say that the 9 o'clock, uh, let's paint that red. So there's a red 9 on the left. And there's a green three on the right, okay, and a nice deep indigo, sort of purplish blue 12 at the top, okay, good. And we'll make a nice amber or yellow orange six at the bottom, okay, okay. And you can fill in the rest in between. It's the 12 colors of the rainbow if you break the rainbow into 12. I'm also assuming you know your Theoricus correspondences. Uh, These have to do with the zodiac. And... You should know that they fill in sort of uh, to the counterclockwise. In other words, the redness of that 9 fills in between the 8 and the 9, not between the 9 and the 10. So if you filled it all in into like a color wheel, um, you know, with 12 distinct colors on the color wheel, you don't want to blend it and that gets confusing. I mean, later you can try it, but first let's stick with the program. Okay, so you're looking at your Llewellyn's calendar, and it says a planet is somewhere. Okay, so you look at this thing. And this is what you're looking at as a natural chart. So if if you're on the equator at the spring equinox, for instance, at dawn, uh, then the sun would be due east or toward the 9 o'clock, right there where the red and the indigo meet, right there on the border of Pisces and Aries. So as you turn and face east, you notice that that 9 o'clock line sweeps across the eastern horizon and meets up with Polaris in the north. And since you're on the equator, Polaris is on the horizon. However, you will have to adjust this method according to where you are in the world. If you are south of the equator, then you will uh, have that southern clock rise up into the air if you're on the equator it's right smack dab in front of your nose in front of your face as you look due south toward the southern horizon and if you're up here where i'm at in california or anywhere north of the equator then of course polaris is visible in the sky when you can see it 
so that southern clock actually kind of sinks down below a little bit uh, to where it's directly across from Polaris. But all 12 of those rainbow lines and those rainbow banana band shaped uh, form a sphere around you. And so you can use your knowledge of astrological correspondences, your knowledge of what time it is, what day it is, and so on, to determine where the planets are, if you happen to know where they are and you can't see them. This will allow you to point your lotus wand in the correct direction in the sky uh, for the purpose of planetary invocations. It will also allow you to determine whether to use the day or night house of the planet. Uh, you know, of course, defaulting to east if it's night house, obviously. Anyhow, let's get to the interview, shall we? <laughs> Are you also called Pymander? I am. I was given this number by Zarathustra. I'm Enoch the Aquarian. Oh, hi. From the source thing. Yeah, very nice to meet you. Zarathustra said we should connect because you have a lot of uh, wisdom about uh, Tarot and Kabbalah and everything else. Well, I don't have any gray hairs yet, so I, you know I don't know if wisdom is the right word, but uh, <laughs> I've been around the block a few times, as it were. You know, I, uh, I have a podcast going, um, both Eastern and Western esotericism. I call it uh, the Esoteric Nerd Podcast, like uh, Esoteric Nerd. Someone yeah, who's... we need more nerds. To, uh, <laughs> put our heads together and uh, uh, really uh, understand what's this. Uh, there is an awakening that I can feel. That is yeah, cool. totally. And I am uh, uh, BOTA and Golden Dawn. Nice. If you don't mind my asking, which Golden Dawn? Uh, my own. Nice. That's probably the best way to go. <laughs> well, I have, yeah, I'm self-initiated. <laughs> yeah. I haven't found a branch up here in Oregon. I live in Oregon. Mm -hmm. I live in a... Uh, a town called Talent, Oregon, and uh, I do a uh, basic ritual in the morning, and just do the circle and uh, uh, do the Tree of Life, and uh, I read the cards, and, and uh, uh, I would love to find an order that was in my area, but there doesn't really seem to be. You're right. probably lucky that you get to do the real ritual with this guy. Well, I, I did it for, um, for many years, from 1994 until just a couple years ago in 2013. And, uh, there were a lot of ups and downs. Um, the order went through. Yeah, yeah. And in, in the end, I, um, I, I, you know, came around to the conclusion that I wanted to, use my time and energy to pursue things in my life that I wasn't able to pursue because all of my time and energy was going to the order and had been for 18 years. And so, I, yeah, I, I had to break away. Um, I had to go my own way. But uh, for a while, I put all my magic stuff away and, uh, you know, just focused on yoga and meditation. And uh, then eventually, of course, you know, people would come around and say, hey, you know, 
are you, are you still having classes? I'd be interested. And, and so I'd say, okay, I'll, I'll have a class. And so I started kind of having my own classes without any lineage, you know, just uh, not initiating people, just teaching, just sharing what I have to offer. I've got a temple here oh, sure, sure. and uh, in my house. And so, um, <clears throat> so I've got the podcast. Oh, by the way, do you want to be on the podcast? Yeah, I'm totally open right now. Okay. Okay, cool. It'll be episode uh, number three on Very Honored Frater BT's Esoteric Nerd podcast. So we'll see how many other Aquarians we can get on the podcast. Maybe I'll give Jin a call and, you know, <laughs> get him in on it. Oh, you know Jin? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He gave me the name. Uh, he named me Pymander. Um, there was a time when uh, Isis was coming to see me at work. Uh, I worked at the Screen Actors Guild for a while. Um, and then, really? And so I met Aesop. He called in. And uh, that's how I met him. And then, um, and so when the documentary was coming together, Isis was in town, and Zarathustra had told her about me and about the sanctuary and stuff. And uh, Alea Aquarian, Zarathustra's daughter, and I ended up uh, with mutual friends that were coming together to put on uh, the Eleusinian rites. And uh, oh yeah, now we're getting real deep. Yeah, yeah. So, but what it's happened? Yeah. What happened was since I, I since I was very traditional Golden Dawn, and in the particular order that I came from, it's actually part of the second order, like agreement that you won't practice thalamic magic, and uh, so we were all very snotty about being pure Golden Dawn and not not Crowley Golden Dawn, and so I uh, when I got the invitation, it said we were going to redo the Eleusinian Mysteries a new way, bring it reinvent it for the new age, and I was like, oh, that's great, that sounds awesome. I've done that before, actually. I've written seven scripts for Eleusinian Mystery Rites that have happened over the past 18 years, you know, and uh, so then I came to this meeting, and there was this guy from the OTO who was just basically basically doing, doing sort of a faux democracy. Like, what does everybody think? Should we go with the Crowley script? Good, we'll go with the Crowley script. And I'm like, no, no, I think we should write a new one. That was what you said we were going to do. You know, this script is 100 years old. You know, like... Yeah, you always run into Nazis. Yeah, yeah. And so Alea was very Alea was very impressed by the way that I was speaking up, uh, and so so she said, "I think you should meet my dad." And so then uh, she brought me to someone's birthday at a Masonic hall, and and there there was a, uh, a swing dancing, and so I got to meet Zarathustra, and uh, so yeah, so we connected and and started hanging out a lot, and uh, he took us, my wife and I, over to uh, I forget his name, but he was doing the Gurdjieff Ballet. And, uh, yeah. yeah, and at the time I was still active in the Golden Dawn, so I took Zarathustra out to uh, this thing called the Magical Eucharist that we used to do uh, once, once a month, where someone takes on the role of Osiris, and uh, everybody ends up communing with the elements, and it's very beautiful. And uh, so, so that was then, and then, so he, and I also had my temple here at the house, and we would do rituals here, and so he, Isis was in town, and he told Isis about me. And so she called me up at, at work and, um, and said, can I come meet you? And I said, sure. So she's on her way to, to meet me at SAG, right? And then I, I get another call and I answer and it says, hi, this is Jin Aquarian. And I'm like, hi, Jin Aquarian. This is Edward Reeve. How can I help you? And he's like, well, there's, he's talking to me as if he doesn't, cause he doesn't, at that point, he doesn't know 
that I am aware of anything. He doesn't know me from from any from just the guy who answered the phone, right? And so so he's like telling me about the Source family and about the documentary. I'm like, no, I'm I'm pretty familiar with it. He's like, really? You've heard about this? I'm like, yeah, Father Yod, and you know, and I told him uh, all of this stuff, and and then I started going on and on about my experience in the Golden Dawn and uh, my growing up with my dad teaching me. To, uh, yeah, tarot and Tantra and all this stuff and, and Tree of Life and everything. And uh, so I told him, you know, you guys are lucky. And he said, why? And I said, when it's a new cult, you get all the best names, you know, like Isis, Ma'at, Jin. When it's a 130-year-old cult, you get he who watches over the lantern that sits upon the mantle of the Lord. And so then he was like, well, would you like me to divine for you a name in the Source family? And I said, I would love that. And uh, he said, okay, just give me a little bit of time. And so then he got off the phone, and half hour later he wrote me and said, you're Pymander Aquarian. And so, yeah, as in the Pymander, uh, Divine Pymander of Hermes, which is like the one thing that I hadn't read that I was supposed to read. You know what I mean? I had read every other, yeah, now I have, yeah. <laughs> it kind of pointed me to it, you know. It means shepherd of men. Pymander means it's Poimandres. Shepherd of men. I didn't know that actually. Yeah. Wow. Cool. That's where it comes from. <laughs> it's like Greek. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So so he was calling about the documentary, and you know, when you put your soul into something for that many years, and 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 uh, you know, he's been playing uh, playing his hearts out in Yahoo thirteen since he started, since he picked up the guitar back in the early 70s, and he hasn't stopped. And, uh, you know, um, so... Plus, he's an excellent Kabbalist. I, I can understand where he was coming from. He felt very passionate. I don't think he would mind too much if I just say that. If, if he had been the director, the documentary would have focused in a very different way on, uh, on those events, and that's all. So I, I yeah. I do, but I'm I'm glad I've connected with you. Yeah. Just uh, you have so much history. You have so much. You have. Uh you're part of the heritage. I, I felt that. I think that's why, yeah, when I, whenever I met, you know, one of the Aquarians, I was like, you know, I, I spent, the, the, I spent a, a lot of years in a group that, you know, our, our father figure was a corrupt man. And in the end, the whole thing kind of fell apart. But, but, you know, it was fertile. There's many temples that are active today that, uh, sprung from that first temple. You know that I was sticking well, see, with for all those years, um, and this is one of the things I've learned about magic. If your intention is pure, no matter what the uh, uh, magic creates a field, it creates a field of energy to manifest ideas. If your thought is pure, there's no problem. Even if the leader is corrupt, even uh, if uh, he's on an ego trip. Right. Uh, that magic still happens. The the forces are there. The angels are there, and they they uh, actually uh, call out. They it's like separating the wheat from the chaff in uh, the harvest. Yeah. And I think you're part of the harvest because I everything you told me has just been so so interesting to me. Well, thank you. <laughs> yeah, it's the, uh, the practice is good. I mean, the Golden Dawn practice. It's been 
It's been an honor, I, I have to say. It's been an honor for forever. Yeah. Uh, I have changed a couple of their things, but most of the stuff. Is we were. We, we were we were uh, basically we were putting flyers in books very 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 actively and uh, getting people that way from you know when the internet was kind of new in the early 90s onward and uh, and so there were always you know at least a handful of people ready to be initiated every month um, for a while we were doing two a month and uh, and so you know taking on each of those officer roles in an active temple with an active group of people all of that's very you know it's it, yeah it was a it was a, a tremendous sort of learning experience and sort of self learning to self program kind of the self hypnotize rather than just being programmed by the billboards on the side of the freeway like to intentionally evoke certain symbols on for a specific reason within your own sphere of sensation you know in a very directed way uh the, of course the drawback being that all all the drawbacks that come with being in a group of people you know it's like high school you know after a few years well it you've, is just like yeah everybody yeah. everybody's everybody's ex you know <laughs> like at a certain point exactly we had that in uh, family too yeah uh, we we weren't immune from all of that there was so much uh history and stuff we had to uh but we had at one time uh, a beautiful immaculate magical field that really worked and it cooked yeah it fucking worked for only like three three years i would say that it really worked before there were too many people in the family and all of this other bullshit that came in but there it, it was beautiful and yeah that inspired me yeah you can tell from seeing pictures yeah. and from, you know, the video and and yep. that documentary. It's a real, you know, because there's been a lot, obviously, since Charles Manson and all of them, you know, onward. That every time there's a documentary about a cult, it's, you know, it's entirely negative. It's like, you know, they, there's like one or two thought-provoking things about, oh, maybe someone got something positive out of it. Isn't that weird? But the thing with the the with the source documentary is... You kind of expect that, you know, or, or the, the the viewer expects it to kind of go, you know, in some weird direction, and then then when there's one or two things, it's like, ah, oh, yeah, he killed people. Uh, see, it's see, and then it's like, well, but then it keeps going, and then it's like, ah, multiple wives, you know, okay, yeah, but then it keeps going, and then in the end, you're like, damn, that was really something that was going on, you know, they they really had something, and you know, I mean, like I I know that it's a really unpleasant thing um, to say, but it's like, from my point of view, having been in a temple that dr that dragged on for 18 years and then kind of kind of died, I mean, it didn't die. I don't want to say it died, but uh, my experience of it kind of did. But, uh, you know, for it to have gotten cut short like that, the way it did, um, by the untimely death of Father Yod, um, it kind of made it made it like a capsule in time you know, I don't want to say that it was a positive thing in any way, you know, that he died at that time. But I, I, but it, the effect that it had was to create that experience as having happened. It's, you know, 
there. It's the gong has has resounded and it's echoing throughout the universe now. And uh, where where if the dude is still sitting there, you know what I mean? Like ten years go by and then and then the thing becomes something else. You know, not to say that in some alternate reality it wasn't as good because he lived. Yeah, that's I I, I would never say that. Um, but just comparing, well, because I I because it hurt the feelings of of someone on the forum when someone said that um and i and i saw the extremity yeah yeah because they were saying that his children you know really could have used him while they were growing up and and it was really really tugged at my heartstrings and i felt bad for ever having even thought that it was you know it was like because because when i first heard the story i was like well thank god he died before it all got went to shit but uh but then hearing that i was like oh i i, I shouldn't even think that yeah that's absolutely right it's like saying yeah. Uh, on Kauai. Because uh, there was just, uh, it wasn't working. It it worked during the L.A. days. It worked during the mother house. It worked during the father house. But it was already starting to break down. Yeah. And there weren't that many people left in Hawaii. Well, we got 50, I think 50 people in Hawaii eventually, but uh, they were the people that lasted the longest, and, and I was one of the people that lasted until the end, Yeah. but there, there was other stuff, too. There was physical problems during the uh, fatherhouse days where everybody got stabbed and, and scabies and I mean, living together so closely. Yeah. Stuff that uh, no magical order wants to go through. Yeah. (laughs) That's a drag, for sure. Yeah. Hmm. The the situation I had, it was more of a... It was... uh, Compat- more compatible with uh, people to ha- go about their daily lives and, you know, then come on the weekends or, you know, start to come more and more. But if yeah, if, we, it, yeah. if people wanted to, they could be there every day, you know, um, at the temple. But uh, we were there. We were there. We had totally given up everything. Yeah, yeah. So it's a different situation. It just sort of feels similar when I hear about it. <laughs> I mean, because at one point I was living at the temple, but I never gave up my house it was just my the temple was far from my house and i didn't have a car at the time so i would do the rituals and then everybody would leave and i'd just sleep on the floor and then wake up and clean the temple until it was time for class you know and that yeah i went went on like that for a while there were a few of us that lived like that these days you were like a monk a bit these days that doesn't really happen as much anymore because the orders that are uh, that are in existence today that kind of sprung from that order are all a little more reasonable. You know, there's one that rents a Masonic hall and does the rituals there instead of having to pay rent and therefore having to bring in new members all the time and therefore having to be obsessed with promotion. And another group, they, they have a loosely knit, you know, pretty, they, they get together for corpus and everything you're supposed to do in a Golden Dawn order, but they have temples around the world that are each autonomous. You're so lucky because I've never been to a real Golden Dawn Temple. I'm too, uh, I'm too radical, really. Yeah. <laughs> one of my favorite people, Gordon Beam, uh, was one of my teachers, and he, he was too radical for the Golden Dawn, too. <laughs> no, I, I, I am gone to Crowley, and, 
even beyond Crowley. I'm on the Necronomicon right now. So nice. <laughs> be advised. <laughs> I'm yeah, I'm not. John I'm not worried Dean about it. I'm into John D and Edward Kelly. I'm into nice. the uh, Libra Loga and all of that. The knocking system. Uh, this is deep golden dawn shit. Yeah, I used the calls, uh, and I used the, the watchtower oh, ceremony, did? and... Oh! Yeah, no, I, I use them regularly, I just, I don't have such a focus on it, um... Wow, so you know about the calls! Yeah. You're becoming... <laughs> no, that was all amazing stuff... Amazing to me! <laughs> I don't even know that I... That was, about the calls. That's all stuff you'd learn at the beginning of 5 equals 6. For me, that was 2,000. Yeah, 5 equals 6. Yeah. Okay. Now we're on the level. Okay. <laughs> wow. Man. Yeah. yeah. I love the calls. I've done them, too. Yeah. yeah. And They're I good. study that, the heptagram. It's one of my favorites. Oh, the uh, the Sigillium de Amet? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, where is that? I've got. Oh yeah, I got it right here. I've got them. Got one on a mirror. It's popular in Japan. There's like girls walking with it on, walking around with it on t-shirts. Well, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, that is so cool. There was a point where my uncle was asking, you know, and I, I said something about magic, and he says, "You mean like stage magic?" And I said, "No, I mean like." And then there was a girl walking toward us who had the Sigillium de Amet on her shirt. I'm like, "You see her shirt?" <laughs> like, like that. <laughs> That's basically. And I once I said, you know, Queen Elizabeth, uh, you know, crazy guy talking to angels. He was like, "Yeah, I've heard that story." I was like, "Okay, yeah, yeah, that, that one, yeah, yeah, 007. Yeah, that's a that that long mile to cat video is pretty cool. Perfect Shakespeare, Elizabeth, yeah, right. Yeah, <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah, I'm, I have uh, uh, the uh, Lieber Loga on microfilm. Nice. I I actually bought it from the British Museum. Very cool. Back, back in the day, but now it's available on the internet. Yeah. Uh, I love those tablets. Those like the '96 or something tablets. I've been trying to decipher them and what they mean. It's '96 tablets that are indecipherable right now. Oh wow! But uh, nobody has figured out. Uh, nobody has even tried. I had a one of my first students back in 1999. He um, went on the internet and he found some. He said, "I don't know exactly what it was, but he said there was a 14-part initiation through some kind of a Nokian thing that it was multi-dimensional and that it was new, and that these people were just channeling it back then in the 90s." And uh, so he said he had initiated himself through some number of them, and then at a certain point he had a son. And uh, he seemed like he was glowing and all this, but then he just went crazy. And he just was obsessed with these voices in his head and obsessed with saying, no, I'm, I would never kill my son. I'd never kill my son. And he would, he would see, like he was describing, that he would see a knife in his baby son. So he would reach down and pull the knife out, but then it would reappear. So he'd reach down and pull it out again. And so, of course, the end result, you know, looking like he's, 
he's stabbing his son with an air knife, and so of course they locked him up. And they uh, so I mean I I when they talk about how you can really fuck yourself up with a Nokia, and I take it seriously because I mean it might be correlation. I correlation isn't causation, so I don't know if the weird Nokia stuff he was doing had something to do with his flipping his lid, or if he was just pre-wired to flip his lid upon becoming a father. But I did witness that, and it was one of my first students, so I always, you know. I mean, like I said, I, I practice the watchtower. I practice the calls. I don't really go deeper than that. I, I, I have the Enochian Dictionary, and when people ask me to teach them Enochian, oh, I say I no. I have that. Yeah, it, you know. yeah, of course. I'd like to learn Enochian chess, though. Uh, that would be I, fun. Because I, I, I have a friend in Hong Kong who's a former student. He went with uh, – we ended up in different orders, but uh, – but he uh, he's interested in uh, playing a Nokian chess. I just think that'd be cool to go to Hong Kong, and he runs a tea house, and you know that'd just be pretty sharp to just show up in Hong Kong and play a Nokian chess with this guy. Who well, it's only uh, runs the tea house. Eventually, you know? Nokian chess <laughs> has to be three dimensional. Yeah, yeah, with the uh, the pyramids and 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 whatnot, and you can use the you know regular flat or printed board or whatever but then when you when your piece lands on a particular square then you have a truncated pyramid separate from the game and you take off the uh the sides on the top and you have all the different possible sides and tops for every square and then so you you create it right there just custom made for that for that square that it's on at the time, then you put your piece on top of it, and then you you know pathwork into the piece, and then you find out what the message is for from that piece on that square at that point in the game and stuff like that. So oh, sounds yeah, pretty cool. Works. Yeah, that totally works. Yeah, it'll be a, a video game eventually. Oh yeah, <laughs> maybe there already is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, totally. But I wanted to also say, are you aware of uh, Lon Milo Duquette? Yeah. Who's doing the Enochian stuff, too? It's, yeah, he's he's mostly into his music these days, but yeah, I... I uh, really? He's playing music? Yeah. Does he have a, uh, a, a CD out? I don't know, but he's on Facebook. Um, yeah. he's, he's always promoting... Uh, you know, when he's going to go play somewhere. But I used to go see him when he was doing his rounds. I guess he's still active in the OTO and, and all that, but um, but but he, he used to do his rounds where he'd, you know, teach tarot and teach all these different things. And I used to go see him and get his deck signed and all that good stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I haven't been to one of his gigs yet, but you can find him on Facebook. Oh, cool. Yeah. <laughs> this is so amazing. <laughs> This has been a, an illuminating day. <laughs> I had one where it wasn't exactly demonic. It was uh, my guides were trying to stop me from doing something hideous when I was a when I was a kid. I think I was probably sixteen, and I had taken this frog skeleton and I was um, charging it with all of this astral energy, and I was going to create a, a an image on the astral of a frog based on the skeleton that I was going to have do my bidding. And uh, so my altar, like a candle fell over and my altar caught on fire. And I had, you know, I felt like all the pentagrams around me were looming and, you know, kind of pressing in toward me. And, and so I quickly banished and, and put the fire out. And it was like 1.30 in the morning. So I went in and my mom was still alive back then. So I woke her up and uh, she helped me pathwork into it. 
And I got up to a point where I felt like there was a freight train coming at me on the astral. And she said, oh, yes, she, she, said throw a, she, she said, throw an earth banishing pentagram at it. And then it turned into a gnat and flew away. And then, uh, then, then I connected with my guides and they told me that I was about to enslave the spirit of that frog. You know, that basically that wasn't cool. And they were, they were just there to stop me from, from abusing my magic because they knew that if I knew better that I wouldn't be doing it. And, you know, they didn't want me to go down that yeah, path. Yeah, you're just innocent on the way. <clears throat> yeah. So, that oh, was, it's so good to yeah, be good to talk to a fellow magician. Likewise. Jeez. Uh, this is so fucking cool. <laughs> Man. You're authentic. You, Totally validated. Uh, so I, I need to check people out, but you, you, uh, just rain clear. Yeah. Well, thank you. Likewise. Yeah. I'm beginning upon the path of yoga. I, uh, well, yeah. I became a you teacher. Yep, you have to balance that. Yep. Yeah. So I'm yep. focusing on, um, focusing on that. Uh, you know, because I, I did the, the Western esoterica for so long. And kind of put the yoga on the back burner. Um, my my dad taught me some, you know, chakra work and and meditation when I was a kid, uh, but um, I didn't really focus on that until just a few years ago. So uh-huh. now I'm uh, now I'm delving into that, and uh, you know, down the road, you know, if I if I live to have a big old beard, you know, then uh, maybe I'll really have something to to offer people. Are you doing pranayama? Yeah, right. definitely. We do some light pranayama in, you know, as far as teaching, but I practice, uh, you know, I, I try to practice when I'm going to sleep and that kind of thing, you know. Do you do rhythmic breath? Yeah. Alternate yeah, nostril breathing? I, not recently, but I have done it. We did a lot of that in the Golden do Dawn. That. You need to balance your forces. Yeah. You're at the stage where you need to, uh, uh, balance your sun and moon sides. Yeah. Because you're, in the midst of a, a me- see, you're in, we're, we're both in the midst of this magical reality, which we have to finish the great work. And part of it is breath work. Part of it is visualization. A lot of it is Kabbalah. A lot of it is Tarot. Chakra work. Yeah. There's so much to do. Yeah. Just, we gotta just, I'm I'm so stoked to talk to you. Yeah, likewise. It's, it's always good to connect with a brother. I can even talk to. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I know my friend Seasons up there in Oregon. She's pretty cool. I could send you a a friend suggest if you guys aren't already connected. She's got a background in a lot of different a lot of different paths. Kind of, kind of, kind of, she's kind of wide open, kind of eyes wide open kind of person. And, uh, yeah, she's, she's a trip. I met her through the, the Hive Gallery in the art scene down here. And oh, then, the uh, art. Yeah, okay. Yeah, now, now she's moved up there. But, uh, yeah, I went to Japan a couple months ago. It was yeah. really beautiful. Went to the Shingon, you know, the esoteric Japanese mountaintop in, uh, Mount Koyasan. And, uh, they've got the Dorges and that, they call them something else though, but they've got all that, uh, that, that esoteric stuff like the Tibetans have. Yeah, so, Tibetan, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but in, uh, and it turns out that the Japanese got it 
right around the same time the Tibetans did, Padmasambhava like had all those scholar monks come in from India and uh, translate everything. And then uh, there's at least one of them, this guy, Vimala Midra, who I have a statue of that's a thousand years old, has my dad's ashes in it. Um, he was one of the scholar monks, and he translated the Vajrayana Sutras from Sanskrit into Tibetan, and then he kept going east and translated it into Chinese. And then the story of the Shingon Buddhism in Japan is that Kukai traveled to China, and in 805, which is right around the time that uh, Vimala Midra would have been there translating everything from Sanskrit into Chinese, he got, it, got everything fr directly from the Sanskrit and brought it back with him to Japan. And so now if you go to Japan, there's this 1,200-year-old uh, continuously operating um, esoteric lineage there um, that's basically doing all the same stuff that the, the Tibetans do. But right after that all transpired, the next Chinese emperor to come along banned esoteric Buddhism in China. So, <laughs> so you find it in Tibet and you find it in Japan, but not as much in between. Well, that's too bad. Yeah, yeah, but it's a trip. You know, seeing how they interpret but it. Nothing is ever lost. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's there, but yeah, totally. I mean, sometimes things when you know we might not have the Tibetan uh, current that we have in our you know culture as Western culture if it weren't for them having kind of been driven out by the Chinese and all that. If uh, if they had just kept their borders shut, for instance, then we might all just still wonder what the heck they were doing over there, you know, right, and and exactly. we we wouldn't have the benefit of of the Dalai Lama's presence, you know, and in, in in the world. So it's interesting. I mean, not to say again, not to say that horrible things had a positive effect. <laughs> There's uh, I don't know if you're into hardcore no, history podcasts. It's, it's always true that yeah horrible things have positive. Yeah, yeah, like when... We'll confirm that. Uh, 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 there's always that in life. If you don't see that, then you don't really understand life. Yeah. Yeah, there's going to be blood and guts, and there's going to be violence and war, but there's going to be the polar opposite. And yeah. We're just in the midst of the pairs of opposites. Yeah. Uh, this is kind of a lower vibration. Yeah. Uh, we're going to ascend a little bit higher, just in our minds. We're going to, we are elevating the planet just by our thoughts, by our rituals, by our yoga, by our, uh, our words. Yeah. They say that Enoch became Metatron. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> that or he just disappeared. I hope. <laughs> <laughs> See, that's how I got into the Enochian system. Because my name was Enoch. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, so I sought this out. And uh, it was below my pay grade. I wasn't five equals six, <laughs> but I still <laughs> walked into the Enochian system to get my, got my mind blown. They, they blew me away in Hawaii. Yeah. They just kicked me out. You're not, you're not ready. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. 
Hmm. Oh, but see, for me, there's no other way to, to be but to be a magician. Uh, I, I embrace Crowley. I embrace Paul Foster Case. I embrace Manly P. Hall. I embrace Madame Lubotsky. I embrace the Necronomicon. I embrace the, uh, um, what is it? It's, uh, the, the 72 in the Goetia. Bring it on. Bring it on. I love your Seagulls. You're part of my subconscious mind. Maya, you're part of me. I have, there's no, I'm not ashamed of anything. Uh, sex magic, that's another story. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. The, uh, the only sex magic that I'm aware of, aside from the Don Michael Craig variety, is, uh, you know, doesn't actually involve sex as much as as the currents of the body, you know, the the uh maybe the uh the perineum down by the sex organs is involved in the circulating of of the energy around and and bringing it up to the third eye and and all of that stuff and you know and and then in the act of of making love, but I don't do any well, Enochian yeah, or uh... anything. You know, <laughs> I don't <laughs> I mean Candles are enough, you know. I don't need to invoke any spirits. It's just, it's just us, you know. No, you don't have to. That's exactly it. It's it already is magic. It's a simple ritual. And, yeah. But it's a. Uh, it helps if you yeah. direct the energy upward. Oh yeah, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, well, yeah, you last longer if nothing else. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. but elevate to the higher chakras even in the midst of it. Yeah. Because totally. that is the primal energy that should energize your chakras. Yeah. And as a visualization, it's, it's quite remarkable. But there's nothing black about it because it's love. It's, uh, it's making love. There's, uh, you can uh, agree on uh, a visualization magically. Yeah, that makes sense. But it's the perfect power. It is the strong force of all forces, as Hermes says. And uh, it receives the, uh, the powers of the superiors and the inferiors, which are the higher chakras. Yeah. Well, have I kept you too long? No, 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 it's been good. I'm uh, currently editing um, the uh, debut episode of a podcast called uh, To Be a Yogi. And yep. uh, we interviewed um, Ashok Malhotra. The uh, he's like a author, longtime yogi, and uh, and um, yoga yep. teacher. And and uh, so yeah, so I've got that interview. And then I I uh, had a friend come over today to be like the co-host, so that we could kind of like introduce the interview. And so there's the dynamic of there's the person who's brand new, nothing, no no knowledge of yoga whatsoever, is my co-host. And then there's me, and then there's the person we're interviewing who's been this guru for 50 years. He's and a so guru. So well, it's, yeah, he's like a yogi, you know. And, and uh, so the question is, how do I be a yogi? You know, and, and so he's 
saying, you know, talking about the Yoga Sutras and stuff like that. So it should be pretty good. I'll, I'll send you a link to it when it's live. I'll use this conversation on the, the Esoterra Nerd podcast just to get get these ideas out there, get get it broadcasted, get some buzz going, and get, uh, you know, maybe some other people in on the conversation that weren't before. And, uh, then, well, I do. Yeah. I, uh, I just got back to Facebook. I was totally in denial and... Uh, not really wanting to uh, hang out with anybody. I went into uh, my magical retirement. Basically. Yeah, I've been there a couple and times. <laughs> it invoked my uh, holy guardian angel, and uh, my holy guardian angel said, get back out there, you dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> Start interacting. What, what good are you? <laughs> You're not interacting. <laughs> the uh one with the technicolor uh <laughs> the right. dream coat i got the magic coat yep. <laughs> that's both, exactly it both yep. you're you're the lamp at the middle of the tablet of shoe bread there we go in two different uh in the old testament and the new testament <laughs> I, know. Yeah, I transition <laughs> i've been them both it's been an honor to meet you, Enoch. It's been an honor to talk to you. I I really thank you for We had a really immaculate conversation. Yeah, I'd say so. We should talk again. Well, definitely. <laughs> and if you're ever down here or I'm up there, then uh, we'll meet up and do some work. All right. Sounds good. Sounds good. All right. Good night. Good night. Harp Transition provided by Camille and Kennerly, their rendition of Game of Thrones. It was very nice to meet you, Enoch. Thank you, and uh, welcome. And everybody, everybody, this is Enoch the Aquarian. Enoch the Aquarian, this is everybody. And if you're ever up in Oregon and you'd like to join Enoch for some magic or whatever, send me a note and uh, we'll get you to connect it. Oh, that other podcast that I mentioned at the very beginning of this episode is called To Be a Yogi. So uh, if you want to go ahead and search for that on iTunes, click through to episode one. It's called Yoga as Compassion in Action. And then, if it wouldn't be asking too much, um, please rate it. I won't say give it five stars. Give it as many stars as you think it deserves after you listen to the whole thing. As always, thank you all for tuning in. And in nomine patris et filii et spiritus sancti. Amen. Live long and prosper. Nanu, nanu. Baruch noi. And so on and so forth. And remember, anytime, 24-7, call 626-367-9254. Maybe in the next episode of Very Honored Frater BT's Esoterra Nerd Podcast. Thank you for listening. Good night.